0: Welcome to RiskWise, a show about money for Muslims, where you'll learn how to make smarter financial decisions without selling your soul. For the full experience, join us at no cost at riskwise.com. And we're rolling. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullah. Welcome back to the show. My name is Ahmed.
1: Assalamu alaykum, this is Saeed. Thank you very much for joining us once again. We're talking about money today. Yeah, really?
0: Big Haven't surprise.
1: We
0: kind of been doing that? Well, today's a little bit different. I think we're going to get a little bit, um, I, I hesitate to say philosophical.
1: Hmm. Philosophical might be true, but it's necessary to understand anything that we're going to talk about in the future.
0: So we're going to be talking about the nature of money today, uh, the nature of money, the psychology of money, the relationship that we have with money, and the way that we ought to handle it.
1: Yeah, and before you uh, skip ahead to the next podcast because you're bored already, um, I think we need to understand that money is not what most people believe that it is, and that's why we have to explore this today. In in, in other words, I can phrase this another way. If I asked you a simple question, what is money? I think everybody would have a very difficult time uh, really answering that question and knowing what money really is. There's a really good uh, uh, podcast and video from uh, NPR, National Public Radio in the States, called The Invention of Money, and it's fantastic. And a lot of this podcast, in the beginning of it at least, is going to be based on that because there's a ton that we need to know. If we're going to make the argument in in a favor of you, the listener, investing your money, putting it somewhere that's productive, we've got to answer the question, well, what is money and why? Why shouldn't I tell you to do something with it? Why can't you just keep it in your bank and that's over and that's it? It's because really money is fiction, And all the stuff that we own, like houses and new stocks and, and, and gold, I mean, they relate back to money because we agree that money has some kind of value. And if we stopped agreeing that, if we stopped accepting this piece of paper or these bits on a screen as having value, all of a sudden money would have, will be worthless. It's just because we believe it.
0: Uh, this, this NPR episode, it's from This American Life on the Invention of Money it was fascinating. When Said linked it to me, I just I was glued to the entire episode and and we'll link to it in the show notes. But one of the things that they talk about is I forget the guy's name, one of the journalists on the show, wasn't Ira Glass in this case, it was someone else he had on for this episode. He was you know, he didn't really understand how that whole stock market crash and the housing crash happened. Like mm-hmm. how do we just lose trillions of dollars of money literally overnight or over the course of a few days and weeks? Yeah. So he went and asked around, he asked people that he trusted about money, people that are, you know, well-informed business people who are educated and have MBAs and so on. And one person said to him, money is fiction. That was their answer. It's mm-hmm. fictional. It Like you said, it only has value because we agree it has value, but we That's can right. just as easily agree that it doesn't have value and overnight it would all be worthless. Yeah. And there's one particular anecdote from that episode that I think we we ought to start with here, Said. Yeah. And that's the story of inflation in Brazil. Yes. So in this episode, they talk about Brazil in 1990. Yeah. So this is recent. Like, this is not, you know, way, way back in the day. This is 1990. 25 years ago.
1: Yeah.
0: And in in 1990, Brazil had an inflation rate, a monthly inflation rate of 80%.
1: Okay. So what, what does that mean? Monthly inflation rate of 80%.
0: Well, why don't, you give us, why don't you give us a textbook definition of inflation again, just to, to, to recap from before.
1: Inflation can be thought of two, uh, simultaneously in two ways. One is that the value of the money that you have in your wallet goes down over time. The other way you can think about it is the price of everything that you need to buy or want to buy is going up over time. So there's this, in, this relationship where money's value is going down and therefore the price of stuff is going up.
0: Yeah. So either way, what you have in your wallet is worth less and less as time goes on. Right. So in that example, 80, not example, in that real scenario of 80% Mm -hmm. per month inflation in 1990 in Brazil, a pair of sunglasses that cost $10 one day, a month later it would cost $18. And
1: that's not, you know, it's still okay. I can still afford 18 bucks. So,
0: okay. So what? Six months later, the power of compounding, those same sunglasses cost $340.
1: Whoa, so if I bought a pair of sunglasses for 10 bucks, and then six months later they broke and I need to buy another one,
0: it's going to cost bucks. me $340 for the same pair of sunglasses I just bought. And by the end of the year, over $10,000. Yeah, wow. So Brazil had inflation like this from the decades. They say that the, the problem started in the 50s when then the president of Brazil decided he wanted to build a new capital city from scratch. They just wanted to like build a city, um, you know, from scratch that didn't didn't exist before and call that the capital which is now the capital of Brazil called Brasilia yeah and to fund that they basically just printed a bunch of money
1: yeah so they just you know got some paper put some ink on it and we're like yeah this now has value people uh, here's a ton more of stuff that didn't exist yesterday
0: so and, and this is the best way to understand inflation right when money is printed and there's more of it in circulation then each individual dollar or whatever the currency is, is therefore worth less. Mm -hmm. So that's basically sparked a massive five decade inflation crisis to the point where in 1990 inflation is at 80 percent a month. And literally the price of goods and services was going up every single day. So the story is in Brazil, when you go to the grocery store, they literally had to change the prices on everything. Every single day, because that's how fast prices were increasing. Mm -hmm. So if you didn't, if you're a grocery store owner, a grocery clerk, and you didn't increase your prices every day, you're going to lose a lot of money. So just imagine if the stuff that you bought every single day, if the price was always going up. Yeah. The price of milk today, $2 tomorrow, $3. Just imagine that.
1: I mean, I think every time you got paid, the second you got paycheck, you'd have to spend it right away.
0: Yeah, because as soon as that money hits the bank, the clock is ticking. The longer you wait, the less it's worth. Yeah,
1: and that's rapid. That's a crazy example.
0: So they tried everything to rein in the inflation rate. They tried to do things like, like making it illegal for businesses to, to raise their prices. Uh, they actually even tried to stop people from taking money out of the bank. Yeah, that's
1: actually going on in Greece right now, by the way.
0: Yeah, so effectively confiscating people's money. And, and both of those things, among other strategies that they tried, didn't work. Finally, what they did in the 90s was a group of economists, in addition to addressing some of the underlying causes of inflation,
1: like stop printing money.
0: Yeah, well, exactly like reining in the printing of new money. They did something else that was, you know, kind of a gamble, but worked brilliantly. What Mm -hmm. they did was they essentially created a fake currency and they called it the unit of real value or URV, or I think people colloquially came to call it IRVs. Mhm unit of real value. And what they did was they said, look, that old currency, that's got problems. Okay? So we've going to we're going to create this new currency called unit of real value, URV, and we're going to peg our old currency against this unit of real value.
1: Yeah, so we're basically going to make them worth, you know, some kind of relationship with one another. Not exactly the same, one for one, but some ratio, maybe like one for a million
0: exactly so this is a virtual currency it didn't actually exist there's no bills there's no paper there's no coins there's no actual money in this currency but what they said was our old currency is now worth this many urvs and every day the conversion rate between real currency and urvs would change and as dictated by the central bank right so you still got paid in the old currency you still bought milk in the old currency you still use the old currency but now it was pegged to this unit of real value Mm -hmm. so eventually what happens is People stopped thinking in terms of the old currency, which no they no longer had faith in, and they started thinking in terms of this new currency, this unit of real value, yeah, because now whenever they got paid every time they went to the grocery store, they would think not in terms of reals or the or the old version of the reals but of this unit of real value and their 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 mindset slowly changed to think in terms of that new currency that's trusted that's reliable that's not going to just disappear overnight. And the unit of real value was not inflating at such a rapid pace. Because it was being controlled by the central bank. Right. So eventually, inflation started to decrease. And when it stabilized over a number of years, they just replaced the old currency with the new one. And they said, okay, this unit of real value, we're now going to make this a new currency. So we're going to stop using the old one. We're going to print a bunch of new money for this new currency. And that's now the currency. And effectively, they solve their inflation problem by tricking the entire country into believing that this fake currency was more real than the money they actually had in their hands. Mm -hmm. And it worked.
1: Yeah, which demonstrates how fake money really is. Like all money is essentially fiction.
0: So what we want to talk about today is, you know, we want to talk about the nature of money as it is. We don't want to talk about necessarily the, the, the pros and cons of our modern monetary system.
1: That's not what we're here for risk-wise at all.
0: No, I'm not, I'm not here to argue for or against asset backed currencies because, frankly, I don't really care. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it sense doesn't. That I can't do anything about that.
1: Exactly. And this is a discussion that we kind of fall into often uh, in the Muslim community about when we start talking about currencies, because it seems like, oh, wow, this kind of this non-asset backed this fiat based currency system is so out of whack. Why don't we just go back to, you know, whatever used to work before? But we can't do that. It's not up to you and I to go back. It's not productive for us to engage in the discussion of whether we should go back or not. It's better for us to accept that this is how things are now and learn how you and i can deal with it in the most effective way possible
0: and 80 percent inflation is crazy i mean obviously there's something wrong there right it's 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 an absurd rate of inflation but the point of the story is to teach us that it you know well first of all it's possible because it actually happened this is not a fictitious scenario it actually happened in brazil over the course of 50 years right right so what does that teach us about money it's an extreme example, but it's an illustrative example that I think teaches us two very, very important points.
1: Yeah, and even if it's not eighty percent per month, the central bank of your country is trying to and is purposefully engaging in inflationary practices to make sure that your money, like infl- that, that value of stuff inflates, that your money depreciates over time. It is, you know, they don't they don't want eighty percent per month, but they do want inflation. So that means that we have two basic concepts in this story, and it's that and this is a a hard one for people to grasp, it's that money that you have in your wallet and your bank account does not hold its value over time. And that seems unfair. It seems unfair that if you go to work and you save $1,000 from work uh, because you didn't spend it all, because you don't need it right now, but instead you want to use it 10 years later. It seems unfair That that's the money that I earned. That's the money that I saved. I don't want to use it now I want to use it later Why can't I use it ten years from now and have it be the same value and be able to buy the same amount of stuff?
0: Uh, You you just suggested that it's a
1: setup Well, it's there are reasons why uh, Fiat-based currencies exist. I don't know if we want to go into in the scope of the the podcast
0: Well, explain explain to me briefly why a little bit of inflation is there by design. Because you know, oh. If you go by the Brazil story, it sounds terrible. Why would anyone want that?
1: So that's runaway inflation. That is inflation that's completely uncontrolled, where the government and the monetary system there went completely uh, out of whack. And that has happened many times in the past. Uh, it's happened in Germany. It's happened in Austria. It's happened all over. Uh, pretty much every country at some point in time has had runaway inflation. But that is the extreme when too much of something you know becomes terrible for the people the reason we want a little bit of inflation is to motivate people mainly the wealthy to do one of two things we want them to spend their money because holding on to cash is disadvantageous to themselves or we want to encourage people to invest to actually put that money back in the economy so essentially if you do either of the two things if you realize money doesn't hold value over time, I can't hold on to this stuff. It's, it's like disintegrating in my fingers slowly. I should do something with it. And that's what we want. And that's what inflation is there to, to motivate people to do is to not stagnate the economy by ceasing trade, by stopping to buy and sell and invest and just holding on to stuff and being hoarders.
0: I, the, the best way to understand that is if you think of a really simple scenario, right? Let's say you live in a a, a town that's cut off from from all other you know forms of civilization. Okay. And there's a hundred dollars in total printed in currency, and one person who's very wealthy has thirty dollars out of a hundred, and one day they just decide, I'm not gonna spend money anymore. I'm just gonna sit on it. Or they decide to leave. Or in the country else. and you just lost 30% of the wealth that exists. Just imagine how catastrophic that would be for the economy.
1: Yeah. So everybody else who's left in the city is going to say, wow, there's a lot less money to go around. This stuff is now scarce. Therefore, it has more value because it's scarce. I'm going to stop using it. I'm not going to spend money anymore. I'm not going to use this money at all. I'm going to keep it under my mattress. And when that happens, and that's called deflation, the opposite of inflation, where the value of money goes up and the prices of stuff goes down. The problem with that is people say, well, I don't want to spend this stuff now because it's worth more today than it was yesterday. So let me hold on to it. Everything's
0: getting cheaper. Why spend a dollar now when I can spend less tomorrow?
1: Exactly. And that completely halts trade. It completely halts an economy and is just as destructive as runaway inflation. So there's, you know, it's, you know, opposite extremes in the monetary system.
0: So the bottom line here is that, you know, this is not about how things should be or whether they should be like this or not. This is how things are, and you're not going to change it. Inflation exists, it's there to make your money less valuable over time. And the reason for that is because. The powers that be want you to be spending your money and want your money to circulate throughout the economy.
1: Exactly. So, the take home message is your money in your bank account is either increasing or decreasing, it's not stagnant. So, if you have a thousand bucks in your savings account, it's going down in value, it's not staying the same. Even though the numbers on the screen are staying the same, the value is not staying the same. And the second thing that we learned from this story is if money doesn't have, doesn't store value, doesn't maintain its value over time, then what function does it have left? And simply money is to facilitate trade. We wanna have some common denominator to actually trade with one another. So imagine I'm a tailor and Ahmed is a baker. And I'm hungry, so I want some bread. And I go to Ahmed and I say, hey, Ahmed, um, do you have any pants that you want hemmed? No. Nope. Because I need some
0: bread. Nope, Sorry, nope. I'm, I've hemmed all my pants. I just cut them right off with scissors and I'm, I'm good. Okay,
1: um, I'm still hungry. Um, if you don't want pants hemmed, what do you want?
0: No, nothing that you can offer, to be honest.
1: Okay, so if, if I had to go find something else out there, what can I find?
0: What do you want? Uh, You know what? I'm really kind of itching for a new pair of shoes. Okay, I'll be right back. So then I leave, and then I go to the cobbler, and I say,
1: all right, cobbler, dude, uh, I need uh, some shoes. What's a cobbler? A cobbler is somebody who makes
0: shoes. Sorry. Okay, because I think peach cobbler. <laughs> no,
1: cobbler is the old school. That's a different school. thing altogether, isn't it? That, yes, yes, entirely. Cobbler is a, a person who used to, you know, olden day used to make shoes. So I go to him and I say, hey, I need a pair of shoes. It's not for me. It's actually for the for Ahmed. Uh, I, I don't really want shoes. I have shoes, but I, I need bread. And he doesn't, I'm a tailor. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't want anything uh, hemmed, uh, but he wants shoes. So I'm here, a uh, uh, cobbler, do you want your pants hemmed? And he says, no, no, uh, my pants are all good, uh, but I do want some meat. So then I say, all right, let me go to the butcher. And I say the same thing to the butcher. Hey, do you have meat? Or I can trade you meat for hemming your pants. And he says, yes, actually, my pants are too long. Uh, they're, you know, slushing around in the blood on the floor of my butcher shop. I do want my pants hemmed. Can you hem them? Yes, perfect. Okay, uh, give me some meat. Okay, got the meat. Now I'll go back to the cobbler. I, cobbler just, I,
0: just, I just want some bread for my family. <laughs>
1: So then I go to the cobbler, okay, here's your meat, thank you for the shoes. Then I go back to, I'm going to say, hey, I got your shoes, man. I give you the shoes
0: and you give me some bread. I'm sorry, I'm all out of bread, it took too long. (laughs) (laughs) It's the end of the day, we're about to close up, so I don't don't know what to tell you.
1: This entire system is exhausting. Back in the day before money uh, existed, people used to engage in barter. And barter is just this magic, you know, you have to magically, two people, who have things have to magically appear at the same time that want each other's things. And it's very difficult for that to occur. So the bartering system was really slow. It took so long for anything to really happen, for any trade to really be engaged, for us to really know, you know, what it is that we want and how to get what we want. So in comes this concept of money, um, you know, which used to be precious metals, which is not anymore. I don't know if we want to get into that whole debate. Um, But, you know, we now have this monetary system or any kind of system where, it's the common denominator. It's what everybody wants all the time. If I go to Ahmed and I say, hey, man, um, I-, I want some bread. I have money. Will you take it for in-, in exchange for some bread? Sure. There you go. Done. Go back home and I feed my family off to work the
0: next day. I'm going to use that money now to get my pants hemmed.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> or you can go buy shoes on yourself and stop having me run around. Okay. So and, let's break this down now. So what we're saying is money exists – so that we are so that we can use it to facilitate trade, so that we can buy goods and services using this money that we all agree has value. Mm-hmm. And we can use it as a unit of exchange. However, beyond that function as a unit of exchange, as a way of facilitating the buying and selling of goods and services, money doesn't hold value. Over so beyond percent. spending money on our immediate needs, the things that we need, you know, today and tomorrow in the near future it doesn't make sense to hold on to money as a store of value for our future needs. Exactly. Is that right? Absolutely. So then beyond the money that we need for our immediate needs, what should we do with the rest of it?
1: Put it to work. Simply. I mean, the, the thesis that we want to convey today is that we want to debunk the idea that investing is for the wealthy. That if you're an everyday person that investing is not for you, it's only for people who have lots and lots of money who want to make more and more money. If you're a humble, uh, God-fearing Muslim then, and you don't want to have oodles of money and your object in life is not to be the richest person in the world, then you don't need to worry about investing. Well, sorry, but that's not actually the case. If you don't invest in some way, shape, or form and you just hold on to cash and you're having you a know, building of a savings account and just a savings account or just cash under your mattress, unfortunately, that is a losing proposition for, I mean, the first reason that we talked about, money does not hold value over time. And another big reason that everybody needs to be invested. And that is that one day...
0: You're going to die. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry.
1: (laughs) But before you die, and this is kind of the important part, you're probably going to spend a lot of years alive kicking around on this planet and not being at work anymore because you're too old. So you're going to be on this planet eating food, taking up space, you know, generally
0: being a nuisance. And oh, that's awful. You can't you can't say that. That is that is terribly offensive. I apologize on, on behalf of Saeed to our elderly listeners.
1: Oh, or, no, wait. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I wasn't talking about the elderly listeners. I was talking about people who are young and listening now. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um,
0: but they're working. How are they a nuisance?
1: <laughs> the So eventually we're all going to, inshallah, grow old and still be alive and inshallah still be healthy, but we're not going to be at work. So we're going to be alive not bringing in new money to to earn and therefore spend. We're going to have to be dipping into our savings in order to pay our bills and buy food. If your savings is all just cash in a bank, a checking account, or under your mattress, then you're doubly in trouble because I mean. You got to buy and spend stuff and the money that you have to spend on food every year is going to go up and the money you have to spend on transportation and energy and housing is going to go up. So you're depleting that cash reserve exponentially
0: and you're not bringing in any more money. And so and this, is, this is a relatively recent phenomenon, isn't it? Yeah. So, generations actually, ago, I would imagine that either you, you worked until you died uh, and this is, you know, before, like, the, you know, the modern economy and the knowledge workforce. You probably worked until you died or you had, you know, a support network that would either through the government or through family that would support you in old age, which maybe still exists. But I think it's safe to say that those support networks can't always be relied on anymore.
1: I blame doctors. All you
0: doctors out there, it's your fault because they're keeping us alive.
1: Yeah, man. Keeping us alive, keeping us healthy, getting new procedures, wow, new God's drugs.
0: God's keeping us alive. But, but they're, <laughs> the doctors are certainly a means to facilitating yes, that.
1: Absolutely. And because of that, people are living a lot more. I mean, you go back 60, 70 years ago in North America, life expectancy was uh, about 67. Today, it's about 87. 20 more years. And all of those extra 20 years are alive when you are not productive in the economy.
0: I think think we mentioned a really shocking anecdote in a previous episode um, that Tony Robbins mentions in his book about how, you know, how can we expect ourselves to work for 30 to 40 years and then live for another 30 to 40 years solely on the money that we earned working? Yeah. It's it's absurd when you really think about it.
1: Yeah. The math doesn't work out. I mean, if we didn't take into consideration uh, investment rates of return, compounding and inflation you would have to save half of everything you made today. Put it away so that when you eventually retired or laid off or fired later on in life, you could pull from those savings. Who has a 50% savings rate that's not being used for anything but long-term retirement? Nobody. So thankfully, we have these things called investments. Thankfully, we have these things called investment rates of return and compounding. We don't have to do that. So later on in life, when we do have to be dependent upon our savings, we can be because we have the savings for it. And I want to caution people at this point in this juncture to say, well, my government is going to take care of me because of the, you know, my country is a very strong developed nation and my country will take care of me. Well, economists have this term called the dependency rate, which is how many people in the economy are depending on everybody else. Okay. So back just after World War II, 1940, you know, 1950s, for every one retired person there was 46 workers in the workforce now or they're going to they're predicting that over the next 10 years <laughs> there's going to be one retired person for every six people in the workforce mm. so the amount of tax revenue that the government can take in in order to support those who are dependent it's going to be Very, very tough. I don't want to fear, you know, fear monger and say that your social security or your your retirement benefits from the government's going away. But they kind of are in a lot of countries in Europe right now. We're seeing the effect of this already.
0: Well, and it's a political debate everywhere, right? What do we do about old age security? What do we do about these rising pension obligations? I mean, everyone's talking about it because it's a major, major drain on monetary resources around the world. Because the dependency
1: rate is going up. So it's getting worse and worse, it's getting harder and harder for the government and central authorities to be able to provide older people with a dependable income in retirement. All of this leads back to the original conclusion, which is everybody needs to be invested.
0: Yeah, I mean, for the simple reason that you've got to take care of yourself, right? So even if you were, you know, even if you were going to die after you retired. And, you know, Allah give us long lives. Hopefully that's That's not the case. But even if that were the case, you still need to be invested because you need to protect the value of your assets. And it's not going to be protected in the form of currency. It'll be protected in the form of some kind of, you know, income generating or appreciating asset. Mm -hmm. But especially because you're probably going to live, inshallah, for a long time after you stop working and earning income, you definitely need to be invested in assets that are appreciating and producing income over time so that you can fund your life when you're not Absolutely. earning money anymore. Absolutely. Always be invested. So uh, this is the you know the beginning of uh, a number of episodes that we're going to be spending talking about investing. We wanted to just stop today and take some time to define money and the nature of money and the fact that it depreciates over time by design to help people understand that investing is not optional. If you're not investing... And putting your money to work so to speak then you're not stagnant you're actually falling behind exactly you got it cool anything to add say before we sign off today oh man I'll wait till next episode we're gonna get into this okay shallah stay tuned everyone thank you so much for listening and we'll talk soon alaikum.